when you're on a, a long road trip, we're, we're about to go on a long road trip as a family here in a few weeks. And I know some of you have taken long road trips, especially with little ones. And when you're on a long road trip, there are many ways to try to pass the time. And one way that's a very common way to pass the time is by singing together in the car. Some, something about singing together makes a long journey go by a little bit faster. It seems to make the destinations get here a little bit quicker. And in our study this morning, in this brief passage in the book of Psalms, what we find is that even a long and wearisome and dangerous journey can be filled with joy and blessing and peace if you sing the right song. Now, what kind of song can do that? For the answer to that question, please take your Bibles and open up to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. Now, if you look closely, you'll notice there in your Bible, right above the psalm, you'll see something in very small print, which is called a superscription. That's, it says a psalm of ascents. Now, these, are, these psalms are a collection of psalms. There's 15 of them. And faithful Israelites would often sing these psalms when they made their way three times a year to Jerusalem to celebrate one of the feasts commanded in God's law, tabernacles and Passover and uh, Pentecost. And so these were psalms that were greatly cherished, especially when God's people returned from exile in Babylon. Now, kids, listen up. The reason they're called songs of ascent is that to go to Jerusalem meant to go up. You had to go up to the city of Jerusalem. It was a city on on a tall hill. And so that's why they're called Psalms of Ascent. And kids, you got to remember, back in the day when the psalm was written, there weren't paved roads like this. You didn't have pavement. And so you had well-trodden paths that went across valleys and along rivers. And sometimes these were dangerous journeys. So you can imagine that there were robbers and bandits uh, waiting up in the hills. And so you can imagine that this psalm was, was prayed and sung along the way by a traveler who was probably weary. He'd probably been traveling for days. His muscles were aching. The, the days were long and the nights were cold. And so that's, that's where we find in Psalm 121. And, and so this psalm, it's, it's right at the beginning of these psalms of ascent. So the traveler is, is beginning to make his way to Jerusalem. And that's why it's called the Traveler's Psalm. And this psalm has comforted weary believers for millennia because of the glorious promises found in this psalm. In this psalm, we find this bright promise, namely, that the Lord your God, the maker of heaven and earth, promises to keep you to watch over you, to guard you all the days of your life and even into eternity. So if you have your Bibles, let's read together. Follow along as I begin there in verse 1. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? 
My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel neither slumber nor sleeps. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Brothers and sisters, let's, let's consider this psalm under two, two headings. Number one, your source of help. Your source of help. Verses one and two. Your source of help. And then number two, your promise of help. Verses three to eight. Your promise of help. I want you to notice as we go through this that none of this psalm addresses God. A lot of the psalms, the psalmist is talking to God. Nothing in this psalm addresses God. All of this psalm brings good news about God to you. This this psalm is filled with nothing but good news. And so maybe you've traveled here this morning, you're feeling a bit weary. I, I, maybe some of you are hot. I don't know. Maybe you're feeling fearful. Maybe you're feeling helpless. Maybe you're even feeling hopeless. You may be wondering, in amidst of all the things that we've been going through these past several months, does God even care? Well, my prayer this morning is that you would know and feel and receive the good news that our God and Savior indeed cares for us. So number one, your source of help, verses one and two. Do you notice in verses one and two, the main theme of the whole psalm is given. The Lord our God is our help. And you'll notice there in verse one, the psalmist asks a question in verse one, and then he answers a question in verse two. So let's look at the question. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Your Bible may say mountains. From where does my help come? So this this traveler is on his way to Jerusalem. He fixes his gaze on the hills, on the mountains. And you'll remember in the Old Testament, in those hills, in those mountains, were often the places where idol worship was done. So if you read in the Old Testament, 80 times... In the Old Testament, the high places, the hills, the mountains were where false gods were worshipped. And so the psalmist looks up and sees the hills and asks the question, where does my help come from? If you remember in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet says this in Jeremiah 3.23. He says, truly falsehood comes from the hills. Falsehood comes from the hills, but the salvation of Israel is only in the Lord our God. And so the the traveler knows that his help isn't in the hills. So where does his help come from? Look at his answer, verse 2. My help, my help comes from the Lord. The covenant-making, covenant-keeping, creator God. 
the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. My help comes from the Lord. And so in, in the Psalms, help is often in parallel. You know that the Psalms are poetry. And so you look at words and then you look at the parallel passage, how they're, 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 they're used in the poetry to understand what those words indicate. And so often in the Psalms, the word help is paralleled with the word support or uphold or refuge or strength. So when, when the psalmist says that his help is from the Lord, he's saying that my support, my strength, my refuge is found in the Lord. So Psalm 54, 4 says this, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. Some of you will be familiar with Psalm 46. What does the psalmist say there? God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. So this weary traveler is confessing that he only has one source of help. His sole source of help is the Lord, our maker, the maker of heaven and earth. If any of you ever confess the Apostles' Creed, that's exactly where the Apostles' Creed gets it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. So weary Christian, I want you to just pay attention to that little word, my. That's a precious word, isn't it? All who trust in the Lord can say that the Lord is my helper. Charles Spurgeon said this about these verses. What we need is help powerful help, constant help. And so what a mercy it is that we can say that we have help from my God. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever asked anybody for help and they weren't helpful at all? That happens all the time, right? In college, I remember asking a, a friend, a friend asked me to help him move. Um, and you know where this story is going. Um, I showed up at his house to help him move, and I discovered two things. Number one, he had promised that many people were coming to help. I got there, and it was just me and him. The other thing that he uh, had said, that he was going to be all packed up and ready to go, and that wasn't true either. I get there. He hasn't even finished packing yet. Okay, so why am I telling you this? Well, here's what I'm telling you. I wanted to help. I, I was willing to help this brother. But I was unable to provide the help that he needed. His needs were far greater than my ability to help him. But Christian, be encouraged this morning. The one who pledges to be your help is the one who made and upholds all things by his mighty word. The Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth is your help. If you, if you happen to be here and you're not a follower of Jesus, this psalm is saying something to you as well. It's not only telling Christians that the Lord is their help. This psalm is teaching any of us who aren't following Christ that we desperately need help. You are in desperate need of help. 
you're unable to help yourself. And the Lord doesn't want your help and He doesn't need your help. He is utterly all-sufficient. God doesn't help those who help themselves. God is the helper of the helpless. So if you're feeling helpless this morning, you've come to a great place because God is the one who delights to help the helpless. He sees your helplessness. He knows that you're helpless. And He desires to help those who are helpless. In fact, He has great compassion on those who come to Him as those who are helpless. Listen to what we read about the Lord Jesus in Matthew 9.36. When Jesus saw the crowds, He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So just consider the logic of that. You're utterly helpless. You're utterly helpless because of your sin. But your helplessness is what opens the floodgates of His heart of compassion for you. He doesn't cast you away because you're helpless. Your helplessness is what opens His heart of mercy and unceasing compassion. Because He's the helper of the helpless. How committed is the Savior to helping the helpless? Well, here's the answer. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. If you're looking for help this morning, there's only one source of help. You may have looked for help in a thousand different ways, in a thousand different places, but this psalm is teaching that there's only one true source of help, the one who is the helper of the helpless. So turn away, friend, from all other helpers and come with the empty hands of faith to the only one who can help the one who died for the helpless, the one who rose again for the helpless, the one who intercedes even this morning for the helpless, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come to Him by faith alone. He delivers the needy when He calls, and He delivers him who has no help. The Lord our God is the sole source of our help. And the question you should be asking is, yeah, but what does that mean? Well, that's what the psalmist answers in the second part of the psalm. So that brings us to point number two, your promise of help. Verses three to eight, your promise of help. You'll notice in these closing verses, in verses three to eight, the Lord our God helps us by promising to keep us. He helps us by promising to to keep us. You don't have to be a a Hebrew scholar to see this. Do you notice in the verses 3 to 8, if you're reading from the ESV, there's one word that's repeated six times in six verses. You see it? 
your Bible may say something a little bit different, but the word keep or preserve or guard or watch over. And what the psalmist is saying over and over again six times is that the Lord promises to providentially watch over and keep and guard and preserve his people. You'll see that. Look at verse 3. He who keeps you will not slumber or sleep. Verse 4, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your soul or your life. Verse 7, verse 8, the Lord will keep your going out and coming in from this time forth and forever. Did you also notice the change in what seems to be a change in speaker. Did you notice that? Verses 1 and 2, the psalmist is saying, I and my. And then in verses 3 to 8, all of a sudden it becomes you and your. Well, what's going on? Others take a different view, but I take the correct view, which is this. The psalmist is having one of those internal dialogues. He's talking to himself. We have exegetical precedent for this. If you just look over in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, this is a common uh, uh, thing that happens in the Psalms. So the the traveler's walking down this road to Jerusalem. He declares that the Lord is his helper. And then in these verses, in verses 3 to 8, instead of listening to himself, instead of listening to his doubts and his fears and his worries and his concerns, He begins to talk to himself. He begins to, as it were, preach to himself. Some of you have read the wonderful book by uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. It's called Spiritual Depression. And he says this, quote, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? The main art of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. You have to take yourself by the hand and preach to yourself. You have to remind yourself who God is and what God is and what God has done for you and what God has promised to do for you. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what happens in this psalm. Did you notice that? The psalmist preaches to himself who God is, what God has done, and what he promises to do for him. So what does it mean for the Lord to be our helper? Here it is in a sentence. These verses teach us this, that the Lord our God, the maker of all creation, promises to constantly watch over all of his people in all their dangers in all their trials forever until that day that trials are no more verses 3 and 4 he will not let your foot be moved or slip he will keep you he who keeps you will not slumber behold he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep So think about all the ravines and the hills in and around Palestine. The keeping of the feet would be very important. And it's a great comfort to know that the Lord is our constant companion. He's our constant guardian. He keeps us every step of the way. And notice the psalmist says he doesn't sleep. 
which I kind of think is a, a jab to all the pagan idols. Remember Elijah on Mount Carmel? Baal was sleeping. But the Lord doesn't sleep. He's not like a night watchman who dozes. When you sleep, He keeps you because He never sleeps or slumbers. The eyes of omniscience are always open and the hands of providence are always working things together for your good, saint. He guards all of Israel, all of His people, all the time. He's a good shepherd. He constantly keeps watch over his sheep. Do you remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10? My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will what? Never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So there is a great comfort and security in the providential guarding of our God. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper. He's your shade. I wish we had some more shade. The Lord is your shade on your right hand, and the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. Well, it's, it may be hot right now, but it's not as hot as it is in the Middle East, I imagine. And so you know how deadly sun could be if you're traveling during, during the daytime. And the psalmist is saying that, that whether it's the visible dangers of the day or the invisible dangers of the night, the Lord is protecting and watching over him. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life or your soul. The point of this psalm is not that we'll never have any problems, that we'll never go through any trials that we'll never have any difficulties on our journey to the new Jerusalem. That's not what this psalm is saying. What this psalm is teaching us is that every single threat that you face in this world is in a world that your Father rules supremely. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is with us because he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So children, listen up. What is this psalm teaching? I'm going to give you three pictures. This psalm is teaching that the Lord is your defender. And like a tender father, he watches over you. Or if you want to think of a shepherd, a good shepherd who always watches over the sheep. You remember the, the sheep in Luke chapter 2? Uh, not the sheep, the shepherds. It says in Luke chapter 2 that the shepherds were what? They were keeping watch over their flocks by night. And that's what our Lord does. He's a good shepherd. He always watches over his people. The author of life will surely keep your life. Verse 8, this goes on forever. It's not just for a season. Look at what he says in verse 8. The Lord will keep you're going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That's just a fancy way. Going out and coming in is like saying in season and out of season. It's just a fancy way of saying all the time. Uh, in 2 Kings chapter 11, the guards were supposed to keep watch over the king and is going out and is coming in. That means he was under constant guardian. And so that's what this, this verse is saying. All the time, constant care from now and forevermore. 
Now, some of you are careful Bible readers. I know many of you are Bible nerds. And you probably, if you were listening, when we read through Psalm 121, you should have heard in this psalm the echo of one of the greatest blessings and prayers in all of Scripture. Did you hear it? Where is the psalmist? Where is this traveler getting this promise from? How does he know the Lord's going to keep him? Where is the Lord promised that? Well, he, he knows his Bible. Do you remember in Numbers chapter 6? What was the priestly prayer? What was the priestly blessing that the sons of Aaron were to pray over all of Israel? Do you remember? The Lord bless you and... Okay, you got to get louder. Come on. Keep you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. That, that blessing is what the psalmist recalls to mind. The Lord has promised to keep us and He'll never forsake us. And so, brothers and sisters, this is the promise of help that our Lord gives to all of His children. And what the psalmist reminds us of is, is even if we know these promises, so often when we go through trials, we begin to doubt this, right? We begin to say, does he really care for me? And so what this psalm is teaching us is that when we begin to doubt his good providence, we look at creation and we are reminded that the creator is able to keep us. Remember, the Lord is my helper, the maker of heaven and earth. Creation reminds us that He's able to keep us. But brothers and sisters, redemption reminds us that He's willing to keep us. We look to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are doubting that He cares, do not look at your trials Look at the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We find evidence for all time that He cares for us. We find that He's willing to keep us because He sent His beloved Son into this world. The very same promise of Psalm 121 is echoed and repeated in Psalm 91, which is a messianic psalm. That psalm says, Psalm 91 verse 11, the Father promises to guard or to keep His anointed one in all of His ways. And did Jesus Christ go through a trial-free life? No. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He went through trial after trial after the trial. He was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And yet the Lord our God watched over and guarded him in all of his ways. And listen to me, beloved, listen to me. Because the blessed one, because the blessed one became the cursed one in our place for our sins on the cross, we will never experience anything but mercy and grace in this world. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress 
or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. When you're going through trials and you're doubting God's good providence, you remember not only that he's able to keep you because he's the maker of all things, he's willing to keep you and to guard you because he who gave his own son up for us all, how will he not also freely give us all things? So brothers and sisters, this journey to the new Jerusalem, it will be a dangerous journey for Christians in this fallen world. But this psalm teaches us that our God and our Lord guards us and walks with us every single step of the way. There's a great hymn. You all know it. It says this, Through many dangers and toils and snares I have already come. His grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace shall what? Lead us home. The same person who wrote that hymn wrote a letter to a woman in his church who was grieving and who was doubting and who said that she was wearied. And this was a letter that John Newton wrote as I close on December 6, 1800. Listen to these words to a weary Christian. Newton wrote this, quote, We have a Savior who's full of compassion. If we need a powerful friend, Jesus is almighty. Our help is in Him who made heaven and earth, who raises the dead, who hushes the storm, who calms the raging waves with the word. If we need a present friend, a helper in our hour of trouble. Jesus is always near. He's always about our path by day and our bed by night. He's nearer to us than the light by which we see or the air by which we breathe. He's nearer to us than we are to ourselves. And no thought or sigh or tear ever escapes His notice. His mercies are as countless as the sands. And since his love and wisdom are infinite, and since he has already done so much for us, shall we not trust him to the end? Weary Christian, your Savior promises to watch over you and to help you and to keep you. You're going out and you're coming in from this time and forever. Will He not keep you to the end? So now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we pray for each one of us here this morning that we would know that you care for us. Help us to leave this place rejoicing 
that when we were helpless, you helped us. And that if you've helped us in Christ, you will be our help forever. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your precious word. Would you sow these words in our hearts? And we pray that when we don't believe, we ask that you'd help our unbelief. We ask this in Jesus, our great Savior's sake. Amen. Amen.